Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course and ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks, two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My Ruby Story. This week, we're talking to... Let me see if I can get this right. I, I haven't <laughs> spoken French in a while. Uh, Jérémy Bonnat? Yeah, that's actually pretty, pretty... Real good. Well done. <laughs> yeah, six, six years of French in high school, and then I overrode it all with Italian. So <laughs> anyway, do you want to give us a brief introduction? Who you are, what you do, where you work? Uh, yeah, sure. So... I'm a web developer. I'm the CTO at a, at a company called Equilibre. We're, we're working on a farm management uh, system so that farmers can do all, all the stuff they, they got to do on a web app and uh, lighten up their paper workload. And uh, yeah, I've been, I've been writing Ruby for uh, about two and a half years now. I've been writing code for maybe five years. Uh, six, maybe six now. And yeah, I, I love it. Awesome. Yeah, I love writing Ruby as well. So yeah, first of all, before we get into your story, I'm a little bit curious. I've, I've talked to somebody today in Sweden. I've talked to two people from the US. Those are both for my JavaScript story. But it's, it's always interesting to me. I, I think I mostly hear from people from the US community of Ruby developers. Uh, what's the Ruby community at like where you're at? Yeah, well, it's uh, I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty pretty sparse uh, in my town in in Bordeaux. We we have uh, some meetups. Uh, we have actually mm-hmm. one big Ruby meetup once every month, which is called the the Apéro Ruby, which is uh, basically we we gather, we talk, uh, we we manage to fit there maybe two three talks, uh, not not too long, maybe fifteen minutes, and then we drink beer and eat snacks while chatting about pretty much everything. And yeah, that's mainly it for Bordeaux, but I, I know there are more uh, Ruby communities in uh, around France. Uh, like in Paris, there's actually a pretty consequent one. But yeah, that's a bit far for the day-to-day networking stuff. But yeah, it's always good to know there there are others, other communities in the same field as you that you just can pop by uh, if you're ever in town. Yep. Sounds good. Well, maybe one of these days I'll make it out to Bordeaux. As I mentioned before, my, my grandmother was French. and uh, Or I mentioned it before the show anyway. And uh, so I've always wanted to visit France. And, you know, in my French classes in high school, I remember talking about different parts of France. So I think it would be fun just to go through and, and see different parts of France. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Come around and you, you can hit up uh, Lyon and then Paris and then Bordeaux and then just cycle cycle through France. Yeah. Yeah. My grandmother grew up near near Lyon. And I know that that's not necessarily near Bordeaux, but yeah. Yeah. I, I guess co- compared to the US, France is pretty, pretty small uh, in, in size. So I, I guess you can, you, you can probably 
fit several towns in a in a single trip without feeling too too feeling like you have traveled too much. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, yeah, now that you mentioned that, I do have a little bit of a funny uh, uh, connection. Uh, when I lived in Italy, I lived in Italy for two years as a Mormon missionary. And uh, I would show people a map of the US and I'd point out Utah. And Utah is, you know, there's Nevada and then California. And most people in Italy had heard of California. And so they'd be like, oh, you're right by California. And they think that the US is roughly the same size as Italy for some reason. <laughs> And so they'd be like, I have a cousin in California. You might know him. And I'm like, it takes a day and a half to drive to California from where I grew yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, pretty, it looks close, hard. but it's not. Yeah, it's pretty hard to conceptualize because I, I've always yeah. lived in a, in a country where if I was really, really motivated, I can probably cross it from start to finish in like from one end to the other in, in like a day, a day and a half. And yep. like that's uh, what, from what I've heard, that can be like a road trip for U.S. people. Like just yeah, I went to see my family two two days of road away, mm -hmm. and that's yeah, it's hard. It's hard to wrap your mind to to wrap your head around. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Disneyland is in Los Angeles, and. Whenever we make that trip, it's always a discussion. Okay, do we stop and spend the night in Las Vegas or do we drive all the way through? Because it's a 10 to 12 hour <laughs> drive to Salt Lake City. My brother is going to school in Nebraska and it's a two day drive. So yeah, right. just give people an idea of the distances. But anyway, uh, we're here to talk about you and your, your Ruby story. One other thing I want to let you plug if you want to, every time I talk to somebody that's a CEO or CTO or you know, some kind of director of engineering level, they're almost always hiring. Are you hiring? And if so, where do people go to find uh, more information about that? Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah, so I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, people can find us on uh, on our website. We have a, a job section. Uh, so that's equilibre.com. So that's E-K-Y-L-I-B-R-E.com. And yeah, just drop us an email awesome if you want to just put that in the chat too we'll make sure that that winds up in the show notes yeah sure all right well let's let's jump in enough about uh, all the other things uh besides you let's talk about you how did you get into programming at first i was in in high school and i had some friends who, who would what just you know play with those casio casio com calculator and just make some mm -hmm. basic games with it and i was blown away by that and i tried my end at it and i i had no idea how programming worked i didn't have the the user manual anymore so i just tried to make sense of what the keywords meant and obviously nothing worked and i was a bit puzzled so i just gave up at first and then i got into college and in my first semester of college you didn't get to you, you didn't really get to to choose a major, minor, or anything, you just get you. You just had to to do a bit of everything. You you learn some math, you learn some uh, engineering, some mechanical engineering, some software engineering, some chemistry, bit of everything, so people could find what they really wanted to do. And then we tried. Uh, we had so software engineering, and that was in Python. And it was all about graphs and like vertices and 
nodes and stuff right. like that and all that kind and coloring and and all those uh, all those concepts and i really really got into it then and at first i didn't want to go into computer science at all i was i i planned on going into chemistry but all my friends were going into computer science my teacher was adamant that i keep on doing uh, programming and just got uh, and he basically told me yeah no that will be dumb to go into chemistry you're good at this just keep keep doing that and i finally caved in and i signed up for a computer science major and then i i spent 3 years uh, i spent 3 4 years there and then i moved on to ruby and to ruby on rails makes sense so what what languages did you use in college bit of everything actually uh we we had some assembly we had some lisp some c and some java that those, those were the main ones we started with python uh python 2 actually and then i guess no we had a bit of prolog too and yeah that's 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 mainly it gotcha yeah i did a computer engineering major and we started with java and then c++ and then finally in my engineering classes, we got into C and assembly. So it's interesting to you know, kind of compare the differences there. One thing that I'm curious about as we talk about a, a computer engineering or computer science major, a lot of people have this idea that you need a computer science degree and then you have other people that uh, poo-poo the whole idea. You know, they get frustrated when <laughs> people say, oh, you, you know, well, I have a computer science degree and so I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm curious... What advantages do you feel like it gave you and what disadvantages do you think there are now to getting a computer science degree? Yeah, well, when I got out of college, I was a bit I was feeling a bit really disillusioned about the whole thing. I was like, yeah, I didn't they taught me a lot, but I don't know anything uh, anything concrete, anything valuable. And then uh so I learned Ruby, Ruby on Rails, and I started mm -hmm. actually doing real thing and building web apps and I was overjoyed with the idea that I could just like in, in half an hour get something concrete working instead of implementing yet another Fibonacci uh, program. Yes. And and at first I was like, I, I thought my degree didn't, uh, I thought I had no use uh, for my degree. But as I started getting into more complex issues and I just... I noticed that in the conversations I had with some of my some of my colleagues, some of those some of whom doesn't don't have any any computer science background, uh, I noticed that I had a vocabulary uh, vocabulary and pattern and so, solve, problem solving patterns that they didn't have but at some moments, and it's really like I. I felt when I was in college, I didn't feel like it was useful, but now that I can actually apply it and knowing like, oh yeah, we can maybe go a bit faster there because we can just use this data structure instead of this one and stuff like that. And being able to reason with uh, theoretical concepts, that really was, that, that really turns out to be really useful. And also having a knowledge of how it works uh, deep down, like uh, assembly and C, because Ruby is still written C at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'm able to, to say to my colleagues, like, no, don't really don't bother, don't focus on that. 
because that won't be useful. In the end, it's it's all it's all the same thing when you boil it down because this and this. And so it's not an an end all be all a degree in computer science. It's not worthless either, but uh, there's there's definitely a middle ground there that that's that actually hold the truth, I think. Interesting. Yeah, I, I found that my degree had more to do with yeah, understanding the low level stuff kind of like we were, you you mentioned, and then also just knowing how to think about some of these problems and giving me a basis for some of that. But even then a lot of that I learned on the job too. So I don't know. Elf and elf. Yeah. I I I I feel like if you need kind of the structured environment of of a college, of a university, then go do it. And if you think you can short circuit that process by going to a boot camp or doing something else for a year or two, then maybe that's a better option. Yeah, I, I can. Uh, I went through. I actually learned uh, Ruby and Ruby on Rails through a, a boot camp, and I uh, I loved it. But I kind of I kind of wish there were, uh, and maybe there are actually. I haven't looked up. I haven't looked into this, but I kind of wish there are, there were bootcamp for more uh, computer science theory, like actual computer science, like bootcamps about uh, data structures and and NP problems and NP hard and and stuff like that, and oh, just getting into yeah, getting into uh, the basis and the basics and really building a, a solid foundation in computer science in a really short time. I guess that, I, I think that would be really useful for some some developers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. And I've actually thought about creating that curriculum. I just, I, I haven't spent enough time playing with that to figure out what that would look like, but yeah. Yeah, um, well, should be an email whenever you get that done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, and maybe I could do it in sections, you know, kind of like your computer science 101 or, you know, your algorithms class or something. Yeah. Anyway, enough about that. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely an interesting conversation to have. And, you know, I, I, think, I think eventually the boot camps and the online learning systems are going to force the universities to adapt if they want to keep computer science programs. And then you can either continue to learn the theory and the the things that you learn in a computer science program, or you can go do the more practical track and they'll both be computer science. Oh, yes, the, the disconnect between uh, actual, the, the actual job market and what's being taught in, in, in college is pretty, pretty staggering, at least here in France, I don't know, for the US, but I, I guess it's, it, it must be kind of similar. Yep. So uh, so anyway, so you graduated, and then you said you learned Ruby at a boot camp. Yeah, yeah, actually, I uh, I graduated. I graduated, but as I said, I was pretty disillusioned. I I felt like I didn't know how to do anything anything constructive, anything valuable, and uh, so I I kind of I kind of milled around for a while. I became like a, a, an English teacher, and then I. I did a bunch of odds of odd jobs, and then I found out about a bootcamp that was uh, just starting up uh, in Bordeaux, uh, which is called the Wagon, and and I just it was about web apps, and that was something that I had no idea about. I didn't know anything about web development, 
And I thought, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be my thing, but at least it will round up my, my, my resume. It will make me a rounder, a better, more fleshed out developer. And so I applied uh, and then it was nine weeks of uh, Ruby, 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 mm-hmm. HTML, CSS, SQL, and, and then go like uh, the last two weeks all about building an actual app. And I and that's when I fell in love with Ruby with Rails and and I and I just found what I wanted to do, which is build build stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. It it kind of mirrors where I came from as well. I mean, I had a computer engineering degree. Um, I had worked in IT for a long time, and to me, the IT stuff felt a whole lot more <laughs> useful than the computer engineering, computer science stuff. You know, I felt like I was just building toys all the time. And then a friend of mine introduced me to the LAMP stack and I actually built a web application that I never launched written in PHP. But yeah, that's when it really started to click. Oh, this programming stuff is cool. And then when I found Ruby on Rails, it was now I can build stuff and I can, I can make progress on it at the speed I want and, and get stuff done. And it sounds like that was kind of the connect that you made as well, where it was, hey, you know, I can do useful stuff with this. I'm not just goofing off and, you know, getting some toy project that nobody's going to care about except for my TA and my professor. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. And that's exactly how it went for me too. Yeah, uh, the the app we worked on uh, on the last two weeks uh, of the bootcamp was someone that wanted to make an app for to share uh, so people could share their favorite destinations, their favorite travel travel routes whenever when they're like for say you you have been to italy and Mm -hmm. you you just say yeah so i went through uh venice and then milan and then and there there here are uh here are the the good the the great places i've seen i've seen and i highly recommend them and that you just build your itinerary and your travel Mm-hmm. travel guide and then put that online and people could yeah and so we built that in two weeks and that was mind-blowing for me to go yeah in yeah. two weeks we have actually something that that's just usable that people could use right now just sign up and post stuff and yeah that was incredible compared to the to the ends implementation of fibonacci or prime numbers and stuff that we used to do when when I was in college. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, it was the same thing with me. We started, we were answering emails. I was working in support. I wasn't even a developer full-time. And, and uh, we were answering emails out of Thunderbird, which <laughs> if you're familiar with the Mozilla email client, you know, we were using Thunderbird. And, um, you know, so we would keep stepping on each other. Oh, I just answered that. Oh, okay. Well, I won't answer it then, you know, after I'd spent, you know, a half hour, you know, writing up an answer or, um, you know, we take turns triaging things. So anything, you know, oh, this is a common problem. So it's, you know, we'd send the same email, you know, 20 or 30 times while the other guy handled some of the harder ones that were toward the top of the inbox. And yeah, eventually we built a system in Rails that went and fetched the emails from the email server and then would basically set up a system so that if I was answering an email, he wouldn't even see it because there were two of us and then there were three of us and then there were four of us, right? And so eventually, and then it would send our responses back out. And uh, it saved us so much time. 
it was just, it, it was crazy. And that was when it clicked. It was like, oh yeah, this stuff is useful. It's helpful. Yeah, and and I guess one of my favorite use cases are the 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 kind you mentioned. Like, I have a problem right now, and I want to solve it for myself. Mm-hmm. And I can do that. Like, I can spend like an afternoon and build some kind of basic tool that just that will just make my life easier. Yeah, and that's what I'm doing now, actually. So I have an app that I've been working on that manages the the podcast processes. And, you know, so I'm, I'm building in scheduling and all kinds of stuff. And yeah, I mean, just the process stuff that I put in and it's, it's freaking ugly app right now, <laughs> but it saves a ton of time. And, and it's funny. It's almost like you have the superpower. Yeah, it's definitely that it really feels like you can just alter, alter reality at your will. Just, yeah. yeah. You snap your finger and then, yeah, it just does whatever you want it to do. Yep. So what kinds of things have you done with Ruby and Rails? Well, uh, all right. So at first, there was the, the project I mentioned, the, the one about sharing your, your itineraries and, and trips. Uh-huh. Then I built a little... I, I had... Uh, I have some... I guess some classmates from the 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 batch the the bootcamp batch right before mine that were working mm-hmm. on something for for um, pharmacists pharmacists yeah mm-hmm. and they needed they had a bunch of IDs and they they had a database full of them and they couldn't tell and they needed something to verify whether someone was a pharmacist of some other kind of of medical professional and they didn't so i built them a, a small small api on a eroku uh, on eroku so they could they wouldn't blow it up their their app uh, and that was that was fun too to go okay i need to solve a problem and this won't have any there won't be any interface there won't be any ui any user there won't even be a user system i just need to build a small api that loads up data from the government website and scrap that and that was really fun really kind of get your hands dirty into mechanics and uh so that was fun and then I built uh, a small web player for myself. I wanted to, uh, I tried something with a Raspberry and a Raspberry Pi and mm-hmm. I was trying to build a, a kind of com, uh, a kind of a community web player for, for a party. Like, so everyone could, you know, just hop and pop up their phone and add mm-hmm. stuff to the playlist. And then, so, and then I got hired uh, by my current company. And then, so I've been working on that mainly uh, for a while. Also, I built, uh, I was, I was still kind of missing the, some parts of college, I guess, because one of my first projects was uh, a graph, uh, a graph gem, uh, well, a a gem that was, uh, that implemented some data structures to manipulate graphs and nodes and Mm -hmm. edges and basic algorithms that work with the, with those. And so I tried to package that as a, as a gem to, to well to try out how to build a gem yeah and then i've been to some some hackathons and i tried to yeah various 
various projects on those some 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 websites for small towns around uh, around Bordeaux and uh, my my mother's bakery website you know just mm-hmm. trying to whenever i get an opportunity just popping up a console and rails new and giving it a try i, I also built yeah. i guess i i also tried stuff with sinatra and uh, anami and stuff but that's more for the exploratory purposes more than actually building something i wanted to use right yeah, that makes sense. I know that Hanami is uh, more popular in the European markets than it is in the U.S. market. But. Yeah, and yet strangely, I've never. Yeah, I guess I only met like people that were actually using Hanami like maybe once at a, at a London conference, at the London Unconference, and and that's that's it. I. I've never seen anybody use enemy in meetups or anything except except myself or some some other that were giving it a try. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that enemy is more popular in, in Europe than in the US. Uh, I guess I I guess it's mainly because I haven't been to many huge events in uh, in the Ruby com- community in Europe. And I guess I there they I guess that the developers of Anami are I think most of them are European. Yeah, they so are. There's that too. But yeah, I haven't I haven't had the the chance yet to meet really power users of the of this framework. Yeah, and I have a theory there too that uh, Hanami. So Hanami is much more functional leaning than um, Rails is. Rails is much more object oriented leaning. Yeah. Um, and if you're going to go to a certain degree of functional programming in your Ruby app, eventually a lot of those folks wind up moving over to Elixir and using Phoenix. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, I have actually, I've actually got a friend that that moved to Elixir. He's still working on in in Rails too, but he's mm-hmm. actually spending yeah a lot of time with Elixir. And he actually never tried Hanami. Went straight for yeah, straight for Elixir. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I've been uh I've been playing with Elixir lately myself. We started an Elixir podcast on devchat.tv and I felt like I needed to at least understand what people were dealing with and it's definitely been an interesting experience. I, I so far I really like it. It's just yeah, it's it's definitely different from what I've done with Rails. So Yeah, I've I kind of like the idea that because it was, if I remember correctly, uh, Elixir was uh, made by the folks at uh, Platform Attack, mm-hmm. I think. So it's I really find it interesting that are uh, that uh, people th- those were people that are that that were prevalent in the in the Ruby community and in the Rails community because they they had a couple of gems that are, I mean, ubiquitous by now, and. And they decided to give it a try and build something new mm-hmm. that's way more functional. But you, you can still see you can still see the the ruby beneath the Verdixa. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, we've kind of gone off on a tangent. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm curious. You know, we're, we're talking about you and your your ruby journey. What are you working on these days? And do you mean like at my work or in my personal life? Both. All right. So at work, we've we've embarked on a, a big 
reorganization, like really work the UX, the UX side of the of the software and of the app. And so uh, I've been spending a lot of a lot of time on that and building uh, and refactoring and reworking all the interface. So that that has been taking a lot of my time. Also connections with with partners and stuff like that. So I've actually got to. I've actually had to to spend a little bit more time on the ops side of development too, which has been real blast to discover Ansible and and really dive deep into Nginx config files and stuff like that. Um, on the on the personal side, I've been I've been trying to I've been trying my hand at building by bug without reading any of the source code of Bybug and just seeing, yeah, can I actually build a debugger by myself? So that has been fun. I'm not there yet at all. Uh, I'm actually <laughs> quite a bit stumped by the next instruction, by the next keyword. Uh, but yeah, that has been real fun. And I've I've had to put on pause on many projects that I had because I want to, I've been, since I've been getting more responsibilities at my workplace, since I've moved up from software dev to, to lead, to tech lead, to CTO, I've, I felt the need to spend more time reading about management. And so that has been taking a lot of my time too. Yeah. I definitely hear the, the parts on management. Uh, you know, when you find yourself in, uh, a position like CTO, or in my case, you know, I run the whole thing here at, at yeah. devchat.tv. Yeah, you wind up spending a lot of time <laughs> learning about that stuff. Um, and when you're running your business, you're also learning about marketing and, you know, all the other things that go in, in, into running a business. And it's, it's definitely interesting. I'm curious as you, as you talk about this stuff, and, and I love the idea of, oh, I'm going to go replicate this gem and see how it works and see if I can do it myself. I find that a fascinating exercise. What what have you learned from that? I've learned that whoever made Bybug must have really spent a lot, a lot of time on that. Now I've learned that uh, actually, yeah, I've learned that it's the basis, the basics of it are really simple and really, really quick to set up. Like I actually got the idea from debugging something i was in by bug and i wanted to to see the source code of a, of a method and i just went you know method open parenthesis the name of the methods dot source source location and source and then i went oh that's not pretty that's not really pretty so i'm gonna i'm gonna put that and then i'm gonna add line numbers and then i went well i've just built the you know the bybug line, the the display where bybug just shows you what line you're on, and I went, oh, I if I can build the display in like ten to fifteen minutes, just plugging away while debugging something else, I guess I can give it a try. And what I learned is just you know just give it a try, and maybe you'll block, maybe you'll hit a roadblock. And maybe not. And at first, I had some some snags, and I went like, I, I don't know, I'm gonna be able to handle that. And then it turns out that just you know, just sleeping on it and give it a, giving it a, bo- a bit more thought, and you just you just manage, just mm-hmm. manage. Yep, absolutely. 
The other thing that I'm curious about is you mentioned that you're learning more about management. Uh, what resources do you have out there for that? Because that's an area that I find a lot of developer and development folks don't really talk as much about. And you know, we talk about the technology because it's easy. It's either right or it's wrong. It works or it doesn't. But when it comes down to the management stuff, it's not a skill that we really focus on. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, um, I Mainly, I read a lot of Medium articles. I'm I'm a big fan, a really big fan of of DHH uh, management articles, like how they do stuff at Thirty Seven Signals and, well, now Basecamp, and mm-hmm. their rework, rework and remote books. And I really I, I I devoured them. I really loved them. I've also yeah I found uh, some books that were recommended to me by friends, uh, like Radical Kender, which I really enjoyed too. And then it's mainly trying to find stuff uh, like your newsletter and you know other people's uh, newsletter mainly and Medium articles. And even then, I guess the newsletter I mainly found through Medium articles. And yeah, and that's mainly book, books and Medium articles mainly. Makes sense. Well, we're getting close to the end of our scheduled time. Is there anything else you want people to know about you? To know about me? I, I guess not ready. If anyone wants to chat me up, I'm on Medium. I'm on not not so much on Twitter, but I guess if someone pings me, I'll, I'll look at that. No, I'm, yeah, I'm just glad to, to, to be here, I guess. Awesome. Where do people find you online? So you mentioned Medium. Where, where's your Medium? Yeah. All right. So my Medium, that's actually a good question. I don't, I don't really think about my IDs much since I'm pretty much... Nowadays, you never log out. So on Medium, you can find me at... So uh, on Twitter then, at first. Uh, we're going to start by th- with that. On Twitter, I'm Joker, J-A-W-K-A. And on Medium, I'm at Aquajvalin. So that's A-Q-U-A-J-V-A-L-I-N. And yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. I'm, I'm on GitHub too, but I think you can find that from my Twitter. All right, sounds good. Well, do you have some picks for us? Some things you want to shout out about? Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter dev chat in the how did you hear about us section. 
Oh yeah, uh, for management, I really loved uh, Randy Kolkender. So I really, I highly recommend that. Also, uh, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, at first, I thought it was uh, an insufferable prick, but I have actually come around, and I really love pretty much everything that has been put out by DHH. So yeah, just give that a a, a try. Yeah, I definitely see where people get to that point with DHH. Because how do I put it? I really admire what he's done, and I really, I, I also, you know, subscribe to a lot of the things he talks about. But he doesn't sugarcoat anything, and he's rather quick to tell people that they're wrong. And oh yeah, and, and yeah he's... not necessarily the nicest way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he's he's quite abrasive. Yeah, yeah, he can but, really get on your nerves sometimes. Yeah, but I also appreciate just kind of the, I, I guess, the raw directness that you get from him. And you never, you never have to wonder where he's at with things because he'll just tell you. Yeah, so. and what I really enjoy is that he's always putting his money where his mouth is. You know, yes. like he's gonna say something about code and oh, Rails is enough, and you don't need to to try new fancy stuff, and you don't need fronted frameworks and stuff like that. And he's just gonna do that, and he's just gonna say, "Yeah, I don't believe in that, and I won't do it." And and it works. You 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 can say anything you want about him, but it he manages to make it work. Yeah, on the, on the front of uh, front end frameworks, and and I believe he said this. It's basically, look, you know, they don't solve any of the problems we have at Basecamp, or at least they don't solve them better than what we've got. And yeah. and yeah, so he's really direct about that. You know, so if you want to go try it on your problem, fine, no skin off his nose. But yeah, you know, he put out stimulus and it does what he needs. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of the same idea with a lot of this stuff. And yeah, he, he's telling you because he's doing it and he's succeeding at it. So I'm going to jump in here with a few picks as well. The first pick I have, I, I listen to audiobooks pretty often. Um, when I'm not listening to audiobooks, I'm listening to podcasts. But the, the audiobook that I've been listening to lately is Launch by Jeff Walker. And I'm really enjoying it just for the ideas that I'm getting around some of the things that I'm pulling out and launching. So uh, anyway, it's, it's been really great for that. Um, some of the things that I'm launching, all of these should be out by the time this episode goes live because we have, <laughs> we have enough of these recorded to where this one will go live in November, I think. But uh, yeah, uh, code, uh, codebadge.org is something that I'm working on right now. I have it on a Kickstarter now. By the time this goes live, the Kickstarter won't be there anymore. Uh, but definitely go check it out. I'm going to be doing it open source, building it with Elixir in view. So if you're, you know, if you want to contribute to it, you can there too. And then get a coder job at getacoderjob.com. I have a video course and an ebook that I'm still in the process of writing. But again, by the time this goes live, it should be out there and ready for prime time. So if you're looking for a job, uh, definitely check that out. And finally, I, I also mentioned the system that I'm working on for podcasts. And so if you're doing a podcast and you want something that will automate a lot of the stuff that you're doing, uh, go to podwrench.com and uh, check that out. That's what I've been spending most of my time on lately. Um, I make sure that I get a, a steady progress on the book and a video course for finding a job uh, just because people have been asking for it. And so I, I want to make sure I deliver it. Um, but most of the stuff that I... Or most of my time has been spent on PodWrench. And that's mainly because it leverages more of my time than anything else. Anything I automate in there uh, takes stuff off my plate or off of Michelle's plate. Michelle's the uh, podcast producer here at DevChat. So anyway, 
So that that's great stuff. Uh, thank you for coming, uh, Jeremy. Well, it's been my pleasure. Uh, mine as well. And uh, yeah, we went on a whole bunch of tangents. I probably should have also mentioned at the start of the show, and so I'll just mention it here. Um, I've opened up my Ruby story to podcast listeners. So if you want to be on the show, just email me, chuck at devchat.tv. Um, that's how Jeremy got on. I sent an email out to the mailing list, which you can also get on at devchat.tv. He just said, hey, I want folks for the show. And he picked a time and here we are. So anyway, thank you again. Well, uh, my pleasure again. And hit me up if you're ever in France. Will do. All right, folks, we'll wrap this one up and we will uh, come back next week with another story. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.